The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Day and welcome to PR Insider with your host Maureen Kettis. PR Insider is brought to you by www.us.cision.com, whose world famous Bacon's Media Database is updated more than 10,000 times per day. Take your PR to the next level. Now, here's your host, Maureen Kettis. Good morning. Welcome to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis. Today's election day. I couldn't sleep all night. I'm a wreck. People are on the streets. Last night I was driving around. There's signs, moms, kids, people just out. It's just so wonderful to see democracy in action. And I feel like finally America has woken up. There are lines at the polls. We have two amazing pundits today, one from each side, who are going to give us up-to-the-minute, state-by-state take on how the election is going from a PR standpoint and how are the candidates faring up in their communication skills. Um, the candidates in the closing days need to hopscotch around the country to keep battleground states looking to energize the electorate and get as much earned media in local, state, and national markets. And as one of my guests told me, typically on Tuesday, the candidates will touch down at airport rallies in as many meaningful states as time permits before heading to their home states for returns. Each campaign has uh, key surrogates in key states to garner as much earned media as possible from sunup to sundown. The last day is the Battle of the Airwaves. So before we meet our guests, I just have a couple quick notes. Mark your calendars now. We are we air live every Tuesday, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern on Voice America Radio's business channel. And I want to thank our wonderful sponsor, Cision. Visit their website, us.cision.com. And we do take call-ins and emailed questions. I actually got a ton of questions from listeners today, so I can't wait to share them. Some of them are really esoteric. <laughs> um, don't forget to sign up for email alerts. And um, always, if you miss any of the show or any of our past shows, go and get archived episodes on prinsider.biz. So onto the show. My first guest is a Republican strategist and former member of President George W. Bush's senior staff from 2001 to 2004, Mr. Bradley Blakeman. And my second guest, Ms. Sarah Granger, is the Managing Director of, of Future Campaigns and a national correspondent for the Huffington Post. She directed Internet strategy and operations for former U.S. Senator Gary Hart's 2004 presidential exploratory organization, including leading the launch of the first true blog by a politician. And we know how much the Internet now has controlled um, the campaigns. Sarah has worked for three presidential campaigns and has blogged for women for Obama, including Momocrats, Women Count, Political Voices of Women. Sarah and Bradley, welcome to the show. Thank you. So you guys both already voted. (laughs) I'm feeling a little lame. I'm going to vote right after this. Um, Did you predict excitement like this, or is the the excitement exaggerated in the media? Who's that for? Uh, Either one of you. Just jump in. Well, I'll take it first. Uh, Look, this excitement is, uh, is due to the fact that we have two firsts. Uh, the Republicans have a first. We have a woman uh, on the on the ballot as vice president. The Democrats have the first African American as their standard bearer for president. So there's tremendous excitement in both camps, and I think America is coming to realize that there is no heir apparent to the White House. Not since 1952 has that occurred, and uh, I believe the people are really energized not only by the candidates but in the times uh, we're facing tough economic times, national security challenges. So I think Americans are really feeling their their civic duty to go out and vote. So the so the media is not exaggerating it. You're really feeling it. 
I think, yeah, I'm feeling it, definitely. And I'm in New York City today. I was in Washington yesterday. And uh, everybody is talking about it. I was at breakfast today at a small deli in the Upper uh, East Side, and, and people are fired up. Great. And, Sarah, what about you? Did you, did you predict this excitement? Not to this level. I, I think that also the Internet has really harnessed people this year, and I, we're seeing all sorts of interesting occasions and events and activities going on online, people doing all sorts of in, unique things like avatars saying I voted and putting up videos about their voting and putting it on Twitter and it's it's really it's really exciting to see even if you're just sitting at home you can still feel the energy. How how much do you think this the, those kinds of um internet uh, tools are affecting the young voters? Oh, I think they're affecting the young voters quite a bit. I think a lot of people are getting out to vote, and I expect to see really big numbers there today. Okay. And what message are the campaigns trying to get across to voters at the last minute? What do you see as the... the well, from the Republican side, um, we, we are telling people that uh, don't believe what you're hearing from the liberal media who was in the tank for Obama is uh, is go out and vote your conscience and vote on those issues that are important to you. Certainly, uh, the economy is the number one issue. But also, I think an issue that's in the back of people's minds as they go in there is not only experience, but do you want to give the keys to the kingdom to one party with high majorities in the House and Senate? Uh, with increased majorities in the House and Senate, which I believe is going to occur for the Democrats today, and having a Democratic president, it pretty much is a de facto dictatorship because there's not much under the rules that the Republicans can do but sit back and watch the Democrats run the table. So if you want checks and balances from somebody like a John McCain who's reached across the aisle, I think that would be an acceptable alternative to independents who are not aligned with a party for a reason. Wow. Uh, Sarah, how do you think about this dictatorship? <laughs> Potential. Of course, I, I disagree with that, uh, especially because you, you, even if you have um, a Democratic president and a Democratic majority in Congress, you still have to, you know, work across the aisle with both parties to get real progress made. And I think also you've got Supreme Court, which is, you know, Republican leaning at this point. So. It's it's really not three branches, and you can't call it a dictatorship. I think in some ways that's not to I don't know. I just I wouldn't use that word in in America. Well, I was I, it's a de facto dictatorship, not an actual dictatorship. And I say it tongue in cheek, but uh, we've never really seen in in modern times the kind of majorities that the Democrats will have in the House, the Senate, if uh, Barack Obama becomes the president. So, in effect, under the rules of the House and the Senate, um, in, in being able to uh, bring legislation and, and, and pretty much get it through to the president's desk, there's not much that, that Republicans can do with high majorities. And you guys are going to get a crack at the Supreme Court. There's no doubt that, the, that uh, if a Democrat gets in the White House that you'll have at least two appointments in four years. I, I don't think you would even argue that. So the court is, not, is going to change for sure under a Democratic president. Well, we'll see. We'll see. It'll be interesting, for that's for sure. I do think that, you know, what I, I think that both campaigns are actually trying to get across at the last minute is that every vote counts. They want to assure them that their candidate has a chance of winning. I think that both sides are going to carry a very optimistic message. And obviously, Obama, with, you know, the lead coming in, there is more hope on that side. 
but uh, I think both sides are going to be holding on to that message as long as they can. How do you think they're doing with it? I mean, I hear, I, hear, I sort of hear in the background some negative uh, ads against Obama. I haven't uh, seen any against McCain, but how do you think they're doing with it? Yeah, you know, I'm actually surprised at how many negative ads are still running today. I thought they might uh, turn it a little more positive toward the end. Well, can I just say about the negative ads? The negative ads on on either side are not being produced by the campaigns. They're being produced by independent groups. These are independent expenditures by 527s and 501c4s that have no connection to either campaign, and there's nothing they can do about it. And in some instances, it may be unfortunate because it may backfire on the candidate they're hoping to to help. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah, and I think, you know, like I, I I hear people saying, you know, Scared old ladies saying, you know, oh, he he he's a Muslim, you know, <laughs> he's a Muslim, and well, okay, so and what? When <laughs> your point is, um, so what do you think were the pivotal moments in this campaign? What were the you know the hallmarks? If you look back um, over the last two years, what, what were the defining moments that really um, for both par- both candidates? Well, for Republicans, it was John McCain a year ago being counted out and not, uh, not seen as a credible candidate when, in fact, uh, he got rid of his staff, uh, hopped on planes uh, solo and, and went around the country and rehabilitated himself uh, when he was counted out. Um, the other thing for the Democrats, I think, a hallmark is when uh, Barack Obama went back on his pledge after challenging the Republicans to take public financing and then he opting out of it. I think that that was a pivotal moment for Republicans because we accepted his challenge and then he went back on his word, and we didn't call him on it. We just accepted it. And uh, and perhaps we shouldn't have done that in uh, in retrospect because Barack Obama was to was to outspend us in some critical battleground states between four times and seven times what we were spending. Wow. Sarah, well, uh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's an issue that I, I don't honestly know much about, but I do um, – I have been paying a lot of attention to the Internet side of things since that's my specialty, and I think for Obama, I don't know if there was any particular point that that really was pivotal for me because I think the whole Democratic um, primary was was really exciting with, you know, the first viable woman candidate as well as the first viable African-American candidate, and that in itself was exciting the whole time. But the other thing was just everything that that, uh, the Obama campaign has been able to do online was really unprecedented, really impressive, and I honestly don't believe he could have gotten where he is. I'm not even sure he could have gotten the the nomination without it. Without the Internet? Mm -hmm. Without the way they used it, yeah. Give me some. Give me a couple of examples of the things that impressed you on that end. They're well, really- for one thing, the fundraising. I mean, that's the obvious one that everybody looks to because if you can't raise the money, then you can't get the ads, and you typically can't win. But at the same time, just the way he's been able to mobilize people using social networking and their mybarackobama.com website is really robust Web 2.0 interface, and it's got all of these ways to get people engaged, and, and it's really driven a bottom-up aspect to the campaign and really gotten people involved. Bradley, do you think it's a, it's a sign of um, McCain's 
age that he's not as Web 2.0, as much Web 2.0 as uh, Rock? Well, he may not be, but his campaign certainly is. Uh, Ken Melman, um, in 2004, in the Bush campaign, really revolutionized something that the Barack Obama people picked up on and took it to the next level um, with Internet, both organizationally and, um, and fundraising. So the Internet is a powerful tool. We're going to see, obviously, more of it as, as it progresses and, and gets fine-tuned and, and targeted more. But I think what's really going to happen in, in the springtime is a look at, at financing these campaigns now that the Internet has become such a powerful force. And there's going to have to be some kind of hybrid public financing, Internet financing, direct mail um, for the next time because it, it was outrageous that the, the amount of money that was raised uh, solely from the Internet. And I think that the checks and balances are not up to where they need to be to ensure that that money is coming from the right sources. Explain that further because what, what, what's the problem if both sides can, can get money from the same sources? Well, here's the problem is you're spending money um, the money should be segregated until such time as we're sure from the source that it's that it is a legal source, and that we have the information necessary in order to spend the money legally. Right now, the money is being spent, and they check it later. And uh, in in years past, uh, campaigns have been happy to pay fines that are far less than the money that that was expended. And I think what we need to do is take a, a hard look to make sure that our system has the integrity it needs that the money that's coming in is from a legal source. And money is being, being raised so fast and furiously uh, with credit cards and, and, and with pledges that I'm not so sure the campaigns uh, have the wherewithal to do the due diligence that they need to do in order to keep the system honest. And then again, that would hold up everything for, you know, God knows how long it would hold it up for. Well, um, hopefully technology will catch up and, yeah. and you'll be able to check these things yeah. uh, fairly quickly as they come in. We're going to take a break in a minute, but I just have one question before we do. Uh, two years ago, did you have these two candidates picked as the final two? I personally did not, no. I thought it was going to be Hillary Clinton and, and I was banking on uh, Mitt Romney. Ah, and you, Sarah? I would have picked McCain, but I would not have picked Obama. Who would you? I, would, I just just would have thought that he was too uh, too new on the scene, but uh, I was wrong about that. <laughs> I don't know who I would have chosen. Uh, who I would have uh, guessed on the Democratic. All right. Side. Well, we're gonna have to take a break. Um, when we come back, we're gonna have more with uh, Bradley Blakeman and Sarah Granger and more discussion on today's exciting election. And we will be right back. If you missed any, go to prinsider.biz to archive it. Webster's Dictionary defines a vertex as the highest point, the summit. The word vertex is derived from Latin, meaning to turn or to spin. If you have a product or service that needs exposure to a desired marketplace, shouldn't the idea be to reach the summit? To turn the tide of public opinion in your favor? To put some positive spin on so that success is in your future? If you run a major corporation and pay for expensive in-house public relations services, or if you're working from home yet need to know how to promote your new product or service, or if you fall somewhere in between, Vertex Communications, a public relations firm, is here to turn the tide on public opinion for you and your product. Vertex Communications, helping you communicate to the Vertex. Contact Vertex Communications at VertexPR.com to get an honest, straightforward assessment of your PR profile and a plan that will work for you, not against you. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-P-R.com. Communicate to the Vertex. Vertex. 
Is your job heavenly or closer to hell on earth? Maybe it's time you stop waiting on employers to make you satisfied and learn how to recognize your own career contentment. Jeff Garden and his expert guests show you how every Thursday at 12 noon Pacific when you tune into Career Contentment Radio on the Voice America Business Radio Network. Contentment is yours to control and easier to achieve than happiness or satisfaction. Vision's communication intelligence allows organizations to tell their story effectively. Whether they're speaking to TV networks or social networks, the company's Vision Point web platform integrates the world-class Bacon's media database with global media monitoring and analysis services. It gives communications professionals the tools they need to optimize their performance and build corporate and brand reputation. Find us on the web at www.us.cision.com. That's us.cision.com. C-I-S-I-O-N dot com. The bottom line in business. Voice America Business. You're listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis, brought to you by Cision on the web at us.cision.com. Maureen and her guests would love to hear from you during the live show. Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also email your questions to be addressed on the show. Send your email to maureen at prinsider.biz. That's maureen at prinsider.biz. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to PR Insider. I'm your host, Maureen Kettis, and we're sponsored by Cision. Uh, we've been talking with Republican strategist and former member of President George W. Bush's senior staff from 2001 to 2004, Mr. Bradley Blakeman, and um, my uh, second guest, Managing Director of Future Campaigns and a National Correspondent for the Huffington Post, uh, Ms. Sarah Granger, who has worked for three presidential campaigns and has blogged for Women for Obama, including Mama Crats, Mama Count, Women Count, excuse me, and Political Voices of Women. Welcome back to the show, guys. Thank you. So, um, the last 72 hours comes down to like getting out the vote, and um, the three days leading up to November 4th concentrate on ads and grassroots operations and. Um, something you brought up, uh, Bradley, the ballot integrity under the HAVA Act, the Healthy American Voter Act. But um, you said to me in an email, the last three days involve boots on the grounds and lawyers. So what, what's going to be the problem here? Are we going to have problems? Well, yeah, the, you're going to have problems. You're, you're always going to have problems in national elections, although what we hope to do is localize these problems and not have them uh, national epidemics. I don't think we're going to see that. But, yeah, we're already seeing some problems with voting machines that don't work. There's a problem in Virginia with uh, military ballots not having gotten to the troops in time in order to vote and get back. Uh, so, so there's a lawsuit that has begun in Virginia so that the military is not disenfranchised. Um, but basically what I mean by boots and lawyers is boots on the ground are individual uh, workers, volunteers, uh, who work to, in their precincts to get out their vote, to identify likely voters, call them, drive them to the polls if necessary, and keep track of where their voters are and, and mobilize them. Uh, lawyers come in very handy uh, in ballot integrity under the HAVA Act, which was passed after the 2000 recount, mm-hmm. in order to maintain uh, ballot security and ensure that every registered voter has the opportunity to vote uh, freely and fairly. So both Republicans and Democrats are, have their boots on the ground 
and they also have their lawyers there. And the lawyers are not there to impede. They're there to ensure that the process uh, runs fairly. And they're really more, hopefully, observers than actual participants in, in trying to challenge voters. Is this going to be, I mean, I remember the Al Gore controversy. I mean, is this going to be another long night or my, is that, you know, extends into three days of me, my heart palpitating, <laughs> wondering, you know, the whole country was on edge. Or well, do you think I, it's going to resolve quickly? Will these lawyers be able to do it quickly? I want to hear, Sarah, but be, before um, she, she uh, chimes in, let me just say this. Um, this could be an East Coast election, and the problem I have with that is there, there's a great temptation with television, radio, Internet to disenfranchise the West Coast um, by turning off voters when their polls are still open, if this is a foregone conclusion, either way. Mm-hmm. And because all the most of the battleground states that we're looking at tend to be now on the East Coast, um, I would hate to see people waiting in line for three hours and then the news drifts out to them that, that this thing has already been called by the networks or it's leaking out because everybody wants to be a first to call the election. And that would be a shame because their vote is just as important as somebody in Pennsylvania or Indiana. Right. What do you, what do you think, feel about this, Sarah? Do you think it's going to be, you know, the boots well, on the ground and lawyers, do you think this is going to be a problem? And I hope it, not. <laughs> I really hope not. We, I don't think we can take another 2000, 2004 with, with the problems that we had. Unfortunately, we are seeing some problems, but that was expected. Um, you know, due to the number of electoral votes, it, I think that we really need the polls to close on the West Coast before we they can reliably call it. I, you know, I, I hope nobody does it before that. Do you think the media will be responsible this time and be aware of their effect on things? Or I think they're going to be more cautious. They were definitely more cautious in 2004 than they were in mm-hmm. I heard some of the pundits this morning on the East, um, you know, us flipping channels, and they were all mentioning that about not jumping the gun, you know, you know, really trying to be prudent, and <laughs> I'm not sure they'll stick to it. But... Um, uh, so uh, I think both camps need to motivate their bases and their swing voters and get them to the polls. But, Sarah, I wanted to ask you, um, how, what are some last-minute Internet tricks that they can do, McCain and Obama, to get their people to the polls? Well, they've already been doing a lot. They've sent out, both campaigns sent out um, inspiring email last night uh, to supporters. They have sent out text messages today, at least uh, the Obama campaign I know has. They are making calls all over um, that people are doing from their cell phones from anywhere. They're also emailing and texting mm-hmm. and requesting people to help them do calling to get out the vote. And there's a lot going on in terms of the social networking sites mm-hmm. as well. If Obama wins, is this a transformative moment for the conservative party? Is it a, like a political realignment for the Republican Party or how do you feel about that? Well, I think so. I think if Obama wins, especially if he wins handily, and uh, there will be increased majorities, I'm sure, in the House and the Senate uh, in, in favor of the Democrats, yeah, we're going to have to go back and, and, and uh, take a hard look at the Republican Party and, um, and, and, and regroup. That's what we need to do. We need to um, uh, make our party more look like America. We have to have a better opportunity at, at getting a farm team of uh, a good crop of candidates uh, to run. And uh, and also we have to get smart in, in, in uh, debriefing ourselves on this election and the last eight years as to what we did right and what we did wrong. And every uh, party 
uh, every so often goes through a, a catharsis. And I think we're at, at, the pro, at, the, at that point as Republicans, uh, we need to be a little cathartic and see uh, what we do right and what we do wrong, fix what we do wrong, and, and get better at what we do right. And um, and how about a transformative moment for for the Democrats? What do you think, Sarah? I mean, it's just pretty pretty historic. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. It really is. Somebody um, on Twitter earlier today was talking about how Barack Obama would have been personal property of somebody else, you know, years ago, and and now he may be our president. And that just thinking about that just sent chills up my spine. I just thought, wow, you know, here we are. Aside from all of the tools and technologies and and all of that, it's it's really representative of you know, how far we've come. Right. I mean, I was feeling that way for for Hillary, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but um, uh, I so obviously switched over to the Baraka. You're outnumbered here, Bradley. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> um, so let's look at the. Um, the swing states. Um, I really want to talk about where is the is the uh, the race tight. I'm seeing Florida, Pennsylvania, uh, Minnesota. Uh, well, I think I think the race is is tightened up in the last 24 hours in in the key battleground states. Our our uh, jewels um, in the crown are obviously are, are Florida and Ohio. Uh, those are must wins for us even to be competitive in the other states. But we're um, hopeful about uh, Virginia and Colorado and Pennsylvania. Um, not so hopeful about New Hampshire, but you never know what's going to happen up there, even in spite of Dixville Notch, which was the first voting precinct in, in, in the country, which happens to be in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. But we're also hopeful about Nevada and New Mexico. And uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity out there uh, for Republicans um, with swing voters, even in the last hours of, of this election. But that's the Republican map so far, is we've got to pick up all those red states uh, that George Bush won in 2004, and if we could snag a, a big blue, which would be Pennsylvania, that would be icing on the cake for us. Right. And what do you, uh, do you have, um, you have the last minute numbers up? Because the numbers I pulled this morning, like Pennsylvania, for example, Obama was up. Yes, I do. And, and your listeners should know that I'm, I'm getting my, um, Numbers from RealClearPolitics.com, okay. uh, and these are uh, average numbers of, of uh, polls. So it's not just real, real clear uh, numbers. These are a conglomeration of, of numbers. But Ohio is uh, plus two and a half for Obama. Pennsylvania is plus seven point three for Obama. Virginia is four point four for Obama. Uh -huh. North Carolina, McCain uh, by a uh, by point four. Uh, Georgia, McCain up by four. Uh, Florida, Obama up by 1.8. Indiana, McCain up 1.4. Missouri, McCain up 0.7. Uh, Colorado, Obama up 5.5. And Nevada, Obama up 6.8. A lot of these polls were within the margin of error, which is, which is very important to take into account because, as you know, the polls were not accurate in 2004, mm -hmm. and they were not accurate in 2000. Uh, Kerry was just about picking his cabinet, when uh, they finally tapped him on the shoulder and said, sir, you lost. So this might be a very, very late night uh, before we actually know who the winner is. <laughs> that was my next question. I was going to say, if there's a shift of two to three percentage points in those states, do we have a long night? I mean, uh, it could be. Um, wow. Uh, what about you, Sarah? How are you feeling about these swing states? I'm feeling pretty good about them. You know, he's he's right. I I would never want to 
know, say anything's in the bag. Um, but there are a lot of a lot of states that are still in play, and I've I've been watching Missouri very closely. I grew up in Kansas City. They've been having a few. They had a few problems there this morning, but that seems to be tied up. Um, what but, were the problems? You know, well, they they had um, some long lines, and then it turned out that they had the wrong books in terms of registration information. So some people were were turned away, and and some people left because. They've they had to get to work and to school, and uh, they were waiting for the right, the right sources in order to be able to vote. So I don't know how many people were turned away by that, but um, that was discouraging. Um, it is fixed now. But I've been following the polls in Missouri, and it's been very close all along. And Missouri has a record of being able to call that where at the direction that Missouri goes, usually the country goes ever since 1904. I think there was only one election that wasn't the case. So it's been interesting to watch mm -hmm. that. And I think it's going to be a tight race there, but I do think that Obama can win. Yeah, with regard to Missouri, um, uh, Sarah was right. Uh, you, you need to, Obama needs to turn out a very heavy turnout in the St. Louis area. And he also has to uh, do well in the rural areas. Yeah. Of, of Missouri, but um, that is a bellwether state. It went Republican uh, in 2000, 2004, and of course before that, in 92 and 96, Democrats. So that that is a good sense of where the country is going to go. It also has 11 electoral votes, uh, but it is surrounded at least on, on three sides, uh, four sides, by uh, typically red states, and that's in the west and the southern part of Missouri, and of course, bordering Illinois, which is a blue state, and Iowa, which could be a toss-up, although it may go for Obama tonight. Hmm. Well, we're going to need to take a break. Um, so uh, this is PR Insider, and you've been listening to my guests, Mr. Bradley Blakeman and Ms. Sarah Granger, and we will be right back after this message. Don't go away. From the stock market floor to your laptop, we are Voice America Business. Decisions Communication Intelligence allows organizations to tell their story effectively. Whether they're speaking to TV networks or social networks, the company's Cision Point web platform integrates the world-class Bacon's Media Database with global media monitoring and analysis services. It gives communications professionals the tools they need to optimize their performance and build corporate and brand reputation. Find us on the web at www.us.cision.com. That's us.cision.com. C-I-S-I-O-N dot com. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or an individual and you need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the Mega Life and Health Insurance Company can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and individuals just like you who need affordable health insurance to get it. So call us right now. 888-459-4825. 888 4825 Don't take a risk with your family's health insurance. It's not worth it. If you're self-employed or an individual and you need affordable health insurance, call us now and see how we can help you. 888-459-4825. 888-459-4825. 888-459-4825. 
Home office, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Not available in all states. Benefits may vary by state. Webster's Dictionary defines a vertex as the highest point, the summit. The word vertex is derived from Latin, meaning to turn or to spin. If you have a product or service that needs exposure to a desired marketplace, shouldn't the idea be to reach the summit? To turn the tide of public opinion in your favor? To put some positive spin on so that success is in your future? If you run a major corporation and pay for expensive in-house public relations services, or if you're working from home yet need to know how to promote your new product or service, or if you fall somewhere in between, Vertex Communications, a public relations firm, is here to turn the tide on public opinion for you and your product. Vertex Communications, helping you communicate to the Vertex. Contact Vertex Communications at VertexPR.com to get an honest, straightforward assessment of your PR profile and a plan that will work for you, not against you. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-P-R.com. Communicate to the Vertex. the stock market floor to your laptop, we are Voice America Business. You're listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis, brought to you by Cision on the web at us.cision.com. Maureen and her guests would love to hear from you during the live show. Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also email your questions to be addressed on the show. Send your email to Maureen at prinsider.biz. That's Maureen at prinsider.biz. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to PR Insider. We're sponsored by Cision. If you just joined us, I'm your host, Maureen Kettis, and we're talking with Republican strategist and former member of President George W. Bush's senior staff from 2001 to 2004, Mr. Bradley Blakeman, and Ms. Sarah Granger, who is a national correspondent for the Huffington Post, and she directed Internet Strategy and Operations for U.S. Senator Gary Hart's 2004 Presidential Exploratory Organization, and she also blogs for women for Obama and Momocrats and many, many more. So welcome back to the show. We were just talking on the break how ironic and and sad it was that Obama's grandma just died. I mean, she couldn't make it the one more day, but, you know, maybe she did him this huge PR favor. I was thinking of it, you know, it's like this, it humanizes him and it shows, you know, no, he's not a terrorist. His grandma lives here, (laughs) you know. So I don't know if it was maybe she did it as a favor. What do you think? Well, I think that uh, Obama showed uh, great emotion um, in the early morning of uh, this morning as he spoke to his supporters. Uh, it, look, this guy's emotions have got to be on a roller coaster. Um, losing somebody, your last really surviving relative that's, that's as close to you and who, who brought you up is, uh, is bad under any circumstances, but it's compounded when you've also got the burden of, of the last day of, a, of an election that, that may turn to be uh, one that makes you the President of the United States. So he must be feeling every emotion. I can't imagine yeah. what he's going through. But certainly, no matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat, your hearts go out to him and his family uh, just because um, of what he's doing, not only for himself, but for the country. Yeah, yeah, it's, so, it's sad. So um, I had a friend call me last night and say, I'm going to the store, I'm getting water, I'm getting duct tape. There's going to be riots. There's going to be riots on the street. You know, if uh, you know, if the popular vote and the electoral votes are completely opposed, you know, and and uh, you know, so what do you guys think about that? Do you think it's, America's going to go crazy if um, 
Barack doesn't win, or that's, that was his take. And this is my Democrat friend telling you. <laughs> it's possible you could see something like that happening, but I think it would be more the case if we had uh, a similar to what happened in 2000. I think that people would be more frustrated with the failure of, or what a perceived failure in democracy than they would be in terms of the actual results. So you guys aren't stocking up at Costco today? Uh, I'm not. But, um, <laughs> well, I'm not, but I'm also not in L.A. or, yeah. you know, look, not in an area that I would be concerned about. If you look at the bluest part of our country, it's where the most population is. Um, in, in the eastern seaboard of, of New York, in the tri-state area, Illinois, mm-hmm. California, so, yes, it could happen where uh, it's happened before in recent memory. Uh, Al Gore got the popular vote in 2000, and Bush got the electoral vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, could happen, probably unlikely to happen this time. You know what could, would be really cool is a tie in the Electoral College, which means that um, the House would probably, with the Democratic House, would vote for Obama for president, and the Senate uh, could vote for Palin for VP. How cool would that be? <laughs> then you'd have two firsts. It's, yeah, it is a possibility. I've, I've looked at some of the information about that, but it's, it's definitely a remote possibility, which I think is is good. <laughs> let's, I want to look at, like, you know, the day after. So let, let's say we don't have an answer yet, or or if we do have an answer, what happens on Wednesday uh Barack and McCain have to go to back to work, right? They don't get a day off. Do you well, think- that will provide them a day off if there isn't a if there isn't a winner. But because the candidates themselves will have time to decompress, and it will be up to their staffs to to figure it out. Um, not very healthy for our country to have that happen, especially in light of of uh, 2000. I agree with Sarah. I, there, there there needs to be a definitive winner. But having said that. Uh, the definitive winner must come after the polls have closed on the West Coast and give everybody in America an equal opportunity to vote. Um, because if you don't do that, then the system, again, has let us down as a country. Um, we need to be better than that and show the world that uh, we practice what we preach and that uh, our democracy works to the fullest extent possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the future, let's say, I wanted to just switch gears here. Um, Famous authors are, are, are writing about this this time period, which they will. Um, do you think Sarah Palin has any relevancy? Do you think she'll be a pick, or do you think she's just? What do you think her future is? Is she a laughing stock, or is she somebody to be contended with? Well, she's been I, a real standout character. Yeah, I, I think that politically speaking, she, I think it depends on what happens to the Republican Party, like. Uh, Pred was talking about earlier and, and what you were saying about you know reforming the party or, or taking another look at what happens at the party because she's on one side of, of the party if it doesn't go in that direction. I mean, you might see her run again, but you also might see her sort of disappear like Dan Quayle did. I think Sarah Palin did a great job uh, for our, our, our party and our country. Uh, she's a first for the Republicans uh, being on a national ticket. Um, she is a reformer from Alaska who's done a great job in that state. Uh, she certainly energized our base. And I think win, lose, or draw, she's been a tremendous uh, plus for our party. Um, she's extremely articulate. Look at the crowd she's been able to amass. So uh, Sarah Palin has done a great job. And, and if anybody carps, uh, 
whatever happens uh, today, I think that um, uh, they're barking up the wrong tree because this lady, I think, has a has a great future in our party, uh, whether she's going to run again or not. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because, um, you know, I can't stand what she says or really listening to her, but at the same time, I, I, I look at her and think, oh, let's go grab a beer. You know, I mean, she's got this sort of likable TVQ, um, very, uh, she's such a good speaker because she seems to reach out to everybody. And I think that can't be overlooked. Um, what about Hillary? What do we think about Hillary? Does she have any more relevance or is she gone forever? What do we think? She'll be around. <laughs> I think she'll be around, definitely. What do you think she's going to be doing? I think she'll stay in the Senate and keep doing good work there, and I think she'll run again. You uh, do? Yeah, I do. Wow. Uh, how about our first ladies, um, Cindy and Michelle? I mean, it sounds like a you know Cindy and Michelle's high school reunion road trip, but do you think? <laughs> do you think? Uh, you know, how do you think Cindy would be, uh, and how do you think Michelle would be as um, first lady? I remember, you know, Michelle's speech, um, uh, and everybody was raving about it. And I, I thought it was okay. I wasn't that floored. Um, can I can I jump in here? Yeah, I was actually there, and and um, I that was the first time I had really seen her. I had watched her on TV and thought, mm-hmm. well, she's okay. I, I don't, See anything, but but I was in the very back row of the the Pepsi Center, um, and I was just floored. I was amazed. She, the the feeling in the room. She just really energized people, and and I had a moment. And I was just like, wow, she could be an incredible first lady. And I think just just looking at the her next to all the other first ladies in history, it would be just such a wonderful reflection of our country's diversity. And Cindy, what do we think about Cindy? Well, I think I think Cindy is is somebody who's got an accomplished um uh resume that she could bring to the White House as first lady. She has charities that she's had a long-standing relationship with. And I think first ladies have to find their place, and I'm not saying that in a negative way at all. Mm-hmm. But as we've seen with Hillary Clinton when she first came to the White House, she took a policy role which was not traditional for first ladies. And I think with a Michelle Obama, who's an accomplished attorney, there's going to be a battle between wa- wanting to be involved in policy, yet keeping the role of a traditional first lady, which I think Americans still like very much, mm-hmm. is a more traditional role than a political role for first ladies. And I don't think you'll have that problem with Cindy McCain, because I think she's very comfortable in the traditional role of a first lady, and that is more charitable and social works rather than policy. And can I ask a question? Where is Biden? Has, has he seen, is it me, or does he seem to have sort of disappeared? Where is he? You know, I thought that too, but he's actually been out there a lot recently. What's he doing? A lot of speeches. Well, he just hasn't been making any gaffes. That's why you have <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's out there speaking to crowds. He's been working, you know, as hard as Obama or close to it, just, you know, Speaking all over the country and and you know talking about the issues. I mean, I think you know as as VPs go. I mean, you know, he, his suits aren't as pretty and his hair is not as nice. And it's hard, you know. She's so she shines. Whether you like her or not, you have to admit that Sarah Palin shines. There's something about her. Um, except I, I know some people can't stand her, but I think she's got an appeal, even though I don't like what she says. Um, how are you both? I would imagine your 30s and 40s age range. 
I'm, I just turned 50. Oh, well, you sound so youthful. Thank but you. how are you looking at this? So you're a boomer, basically. How are you looking at this election different from, say, your parents' generation would be looking at this? I think there's much more interest at a younger age in, in this election than we've ever seen before, and I think that will be reflected in the, in, the, in the vote that the youth is going to bring to the table today. Um, but people are, are understanding that there's uh, much more ways you get information today than you did uh, 30 years ago. Um, at the click of a button, you can get any statistic you want on any subject, and uh, you're pretty much on your own to get whatever information you deem is important, where 30 years ago you were pretty much spoon-fed um, information based on the limited amount of resources you had available to get that information. Mm-hmm. And I, think that's, go ahead, I think that's true. I think my, my parents' generation also, though, I think that they don't, not that they're not engaged in the election, but I think that they're sort of tired of all of the media around it, and, and a lot of people are saying, oh, my gosh, when is this going to be over? Whereas people in my generation and younger than than me, than, than us, I think you and I are similar in age, and I feel a lot more energy around it and people out there. But, you know, you, you see all ages. I saw a lot of... Um, older people out in the rain yesterday campaigning. And, uh, it's wonderful. so exciting, and, and we have to take a break. Um, we will be right back with more PR Insider. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Webster's Dictionary defines a vertex as the highest point, the summit. The word vertex is derived from Latin, meaning to turn or to spin. If you have a product or service that needs exposure to a desired marketplace, shouldn't the idea be to reach the summit? To turn the tide of public opinion in your favor? To put some positive spin on so that success is in your future? If you run a major corporation and pay for expensive in-house public relations services, or if you're working from home yet need to know how to promote your new product or service, or if you fall somewhere in between, Vertex Communications, a public relations firm, is here to turn the tide on public opinion for you and your product. Vertex Communications, helping you communicate to the Vertex. Contact Vertex Communications at VertexPR.com to get an honest, straightforward assessment of your PR profile and a plan that will work for you, not against you. That's V-E-R-T-E-X-P-R.com. Communicate to the Vertex. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for The Growth Strategist with Aldana Ambler. On the show, Aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart, grow profit, and grow your business with Aldana Ambler and The Growth Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. 
Precision's communication intelligence allows organizations to tell their story effectively. Whether they're speaking to TV networks or social networks, the company's Cision Point web platform integrates the world-class Bacon's Media Database with global media monitoring and analysis services. It gives communications professionals the tools they need to optimize their performance and build corporate and brand reputation. Find us on the web at www.us.cision.com. That's us.cision.com. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis, brought to you by Cision on the web at us.cision.com. Maureen and her guests would love to hear from you during the live show. Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also email your questions to be addressed on the show. Send your email to maureen at prinsider.biz. That's maureen at prinsider.biz. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to PR Insider. I'm your host, Maureen Kettis. Uh, if you've missed any of our shows so far, go to prinsider.biz and uh, just click on the blue button. We are on demand 24-7. Uh, we've been talking with Bradley Blakeman, who is a Republican strategist, and Sarah Grangers, who is uh, a Democrat blogger and um, worked with Senator Gary Hart in uh, getting him uh, launched in his first true blog by a politician. So I have so many questions from people. Um, so one just came in. Can the youth swing the vote like the black or elderly? How would I you guys answer? Hmm? I think they can, yeah. And, and, and I think it, it obviously, uh, you know, there are two kinds of polls. There's a national poll of young voters, and then there's the individual state polls in battleground states, and that's what I think needs to be dissected uh, as we do this post-mortem of the election in the next couple of days is where did the youth vote happen and was it a critical uh, voting block uh, to a victory by either uh, McCain or Obama? It remains to be seen. Certainly um, there's a ton of enthusiasm in there, but typically young people will be enthusiastic, but they won't be motivated to vote. If that changes this time, absolutely it could be a major factor depending on where those votes turn up. Right. And I remember, um, what was it, Sarah Silverman sent out this mass uh, YouTube um, for all the Jews in Los Angeles and New York to get their grandparents living in Florida <laughs> to, <laughs> to vote, all the retirees and, to vote. Um, now, Barack didn't use race. Um, um, and how, how did that help? I mean, he didn't use it, but has race come into play? Well, I beg to differ. He did use it uh, subtly. Uh, when he gave his speech saying, I don't look like the typical um, candidate, and I don't look like the people on our money. Um, and no, I, I think it's funny, calling a spade a spade. And I have a funny name. Yeah. Uh, so he he used it very subtly, but the good news is it hasn't been uh, used in, in ways that uh, are divisive. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the important thing is, is thank God that that had, has not been um, uh, a problem in this race, and hopefully the vote will reflect that uh, people aren't taking that into account when they when they vote. So if Obama wins, then, can everybody celebrate? I mean, um, what, what does that say about America being open to change, or is half the country going to be just so depressed and despondent? I mean, can we all celebrate, or what do we think here? 
I think so. I think we really can. I think there will be a little bit of, I mean, with every campaign, when your candidate doesn't win, you, you, you have, especially the people who've been working day and night on these things, you have some time where you're sad, but I think that January 15th, is it the 15th? I think by mid-January when um, he would be inaugurated, I think that people can, can really be energized and positive and excited about that. Well, he's got several opportunities. If, if he should win, he's not my choice, but he's my president. And I think that, uh, that Sarah's right. It's going to take a, a little while for people to lick their wounds and, and, um, and come to grips with the fact that their person did not win. But uh, Barack Obama is going to have to give a very inspirational uh, speech uh, at the inaugural on January 20th. And then I predict within days of his inaugural speech, he will do a joint address to Congress, which will not be a State of the Union because State of the Unions are only done after your first year in office. But typically presidents have used that time to do a joint address to the American people, a la a, a State of the Union, where he can lay out his agenda. So he's got several opportunities to bring this country together um, should he be the president. And McCain will have the same challenges. Yeah. Um, they've got the first uh, 100 days, and, and that's when whoever it is will outline what what uh, he plans to do during that time. And I, I think that the, there are a lot of issues that need to be taken care of that are American issues that don't really pertain to one party or another that either one will have to address directly and I think that will provide a lot of unity as well. So now I have some non-sequitur kind of questions that came in. Um, one came in from the Middle East, uh, from Tel Aviv, and it says, do you think Obama's now famous trip to the Middle East and immediately thereafter the former Berlin Wall or near it where Kennedy once made his famous speech as covered in the media helped boost his presidential stature image effectively? You guys want to take a stab at that? That was well, go ahead, Sarah. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, you know, I, I I saw some positives and some negatives come out of that in terms of how it was spun. But uh, I, I do think that by visiting the Middle East and Europe that he was able to draw some support internationally and just, just introduce himself a little better to the people there and give them a sense of who he is and what, what he will do as president. I think it was over, overall positive. Uh, Brady, you want to, Brad, I, I thought it was a negative, um, uh, and I think it took him down a couple pegs, which really? I, I think was, was probably good for his campaign, because ironically the largest crowd he's ever had was not in the United States, it was in Germany. And and I find that kind of weird. And um, he, he, he made a, a, a toe-in-the-water uh, Middle East trip just to check the box mm -hmm. and really didn't get much of anything accomplished there other than to say that he's been there. So I think it was, overall, I think it was a negative for him to do that. I thought the people saw it as, as presumptuous, and I think the fact that it humbled him a little bit uh, is probably why his campaign um, did as well, uh, because making those mistakes at home might have been uh, fatal. If, if he made the same kind of mistakes here as he did overseas, and he made those mistakes early enough where people, it didn't matter. I saw the Germany thing as actually the opposite. I, I saw it as, you know, we have such a terrible foreign reputation now, and here was another country embracing him 
beyond his wildest wildest expectations. I mean, it was like a rock star. I actually thought, wow, so he's going to have some cachet if he becomes president. He'll have some cachet in foreign countries. You also have to think about, I mean, the people didn't have very many opportunities to see him, so everybody wanted to come to one place. They're actually expecting a million people tonight in Grant Park in uh, Chicago. Wow. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. Um, Okay, I had another question. How does McCain's lack of rhetorical finesse, how, how has it worked against him from a PR standpoint vis-a-vis Obama's supreme elegance. And he says, I've heard it both ways, and McCain just sounds like a real American, whereas Obama sounds like a Harvard grad and therefore elitist. Can Obama's eloquence in some cases work against him, despite the fact that he represents a racial segment that is traditionally downtrodden, these are not my words, in America? Or does that fact neutralize his elitist image, and therefore he wins on almost all counts in the voters' minds? Wow. (laughs) That is a very deep question. Uh, look, Barack Obama is a tremendous speaker. Um, we're being outspent four, uh, four times in some places, seven times in others. But despite the fact that we have a rock star uh, for a Democratic nominee who's a tremendous speaker and has tremendous charisma, um, the polls are still tightening mm-hmm. and, and are tight in battleground states against somebody who's uh, been in the Senate a while and is also not the best speaker in the world, mm-hmm. but has got a tremendous um, resume when it comes mm-hmm. to uh, his government career and his military career. And so I think that um, Barack Obama is it would never have been able to come out of nowhere, as Sarah alluded to uh, in the start of the program against Hillary Clinton, but for the fact that this guy has has uh, tremendous speaking ability and charisma and the ability to reach people. So, guys, we're, we're reaching the end of the show. I just want to get your last second take on, on predictions. Which way is it going to go? Anybody want to predict? I think Obama's going to win the day. Well, I, I'm I'm an advocate, and I believe that uh, stranger things have happened. I'm going to hope that McCain can eke it out, uh, but it is going to be by the skin of our teeth if we win. All right. Well, thanks for joining me on the show, and listen next week on PR Insider. I've been your host, Maureen Kettis, and thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to PR Insider with your host, Maureen Kettis. PR Insider is brought to you by Cision, helping communications experts navigate the sea of social media. Visit them on the web at us.cision.com. And make sure you join us again next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. And have a great week.